0: Wow, what a great Sunday. I mean, it's Sacrament Sunday. We got baptism. We got the Lord's Supper. We've got international missionaries who traveled a long way to be with us, and we're really grateful. Um, I got to hear recently at a meeting of a region of our churches that actually regionally we are partnering together with other churches to try to plant gospel preaching churches among the Albanian-speaking people of Macedonia. And these folks are on the front line, Freddie and Diana. They are doing the work, the real deal. In fact, at their meeting, one of my favorite moments, they were sharing, they were showing pictures, and they put a picture up on the screen of a young woman, and they said, this lady has recently become a follower of Jesus. And so just to be able to see that, the fruit of something that all of you by way of this church, are a part of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. This is what we want to be about. And so it is so great to have you here with us. We're grateful to be partners in ministry with you. So, a good morning. It's also a great morning because we're beginning a new mini-series. This is part of what we do every November, uh, our commitment campaign. This is a time in the life of our church when we renew ourselves, not just to our financial giving, which is a piece of that, but just to renewing our commitment to be all in to all that God is doing in this church, to give of our time and our talent and our treasure, to support the ministries and to support the mission that God has given us together. And so you should have received a letter this past week in the mail. Um, And in that, we outlined for you ways that we have been working towards goals from last year. Uh, We gave three new goals for this upcoming year. We also gave you a skeleton of a, a budget that has been proposed for next year. If you did not receive that letter, uh, then that means we don't have an address for you. That could be our fault. It may be yours. Either way, first thing I want you to do is grab one of the letters before you leave from our information center. And then the second thing um, is that I want you to um, go by the information center and update your information with us. Uh, give us your address. Give us your email. We would love to stay connected with you. Um, and so we hope you'll do that right after church. I'd like to take just a moment this morning to highlight a tool that will help you to stay involved. Uh, in the church. And that is our church app. So we've used a couple of different apps over the years. Uh, we used to have one called the Kirk app. Many of you probably have an older version of the app on or, on your phone, if you have any at all. This is the current app that we're using. It's called Church Center. It's a great piece of software. If you do not have it, I want to encourage you, even right now, get out your phone. I'm giving you permission. Uh, download the app. Everyone with a smartphone needs this app because um, through this, you can see our calendar You can register for events. You can find or connect with a small group or communicate with your small group. Um, It has uh, registrations, giving, the sermons are on there. Basically, everything that happens uh, in the life of our church happens through this piece of software. And how you interact with it is through the Church Center app. So it's available on both major platforms, iPhone, Android. Um, So you will need... This app moving forward. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you don't know how to download an app to your phone, go to the information center and they will help you um, to get that. So during our commitment campaign, we teach from various places in the Bible on the topic of stewardship and giving. And we pick different places every year. This year, we're going Old Testament. We're going to the book of First Chronicles. And I'm going to venture to guess that many of you probably haven't spent any time recently in that book um, and so I want to give you a little quick orientation to what's happening in these books. So the books of First and Second Chronicles—it was originally one book. It just happened to fall on two scrolls, uh, and so First Chronicles was one scroll, and Second Chronicles another. It tells one comprehensive story. It's actually a lot of repeat information from the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings. But it gives a unique perspective on those events. And Chronicles attempts to give us an overview of the story of God's people in the Old Testament. So, we're dipping into the end of the first scroll. And what happens there is that there's a speech that is made by King David. A speech followed by a prayer. And that's what we're going to look at here over the next two weeks. This speech is similar to those that he has already given in chapters 22 and 28, and the occasion of this speech is basically David's farewell to Israel. He is coming near the end of his life, he is getting old, and he is passing the baton of leadership to his son Solomon. And so he calls together all of the people, a massive gathering, and the goal for that is twofold. Number one, uh, David is going to anoint his king Solomon, as the next king of Israel. And the other thing is that one of his last big leadership moves is that he's going to do a capital campaign and ask people to give in order to build this temple that he had hoped to build, but God said, no, you're not the guy. Your son Solomon is going to do it. Uh, But he decides to use his leadership chips and encourage the people to support their new king and to support the spiritual life of the people of Israel by giving to this capital campaign. Now, I am using this text, but I will go ahead and give you a sigh of relief. We are not doing any capital campaigns. We're not asking for extras, millions of dollars. Right now, we have, we have a great space. Uh, we have great opportunity. But we're simply asking you to recommit to your giving, uh, to be a part of what God is doing here, that if this is your church home, that you would support it through your giving, through your service, and through simply being a part of what God is doing here. So there's a number of different parallels between this collection and one that was made for the building of the Mosaic Tabernacle. So originally they built a tabernacle, and then that turned into a more permanent structure, the temple, and then later on that temple's going to get torn down. They're going to build another temple. So it's kind of confusing when you talk about the temple in the Bible. Which temple are we talking about here? This is the first permanent temple uh, that was built under the leadership of Solomon. And what is clear in this occasion, is that only the best natural and human resources were to be offered for the construction of the Lord's earthly temple. They called on God's people to give sacrificially and to give their best in order to create this special place where they could meet with God. And so the first big theme I want to point out is the focus of our giving. I think this text instructs us in the focus of our giving. King David says, the task is great because this palatial structure I love that this massive building this is a big undertaking but it's not for man it is for the Lord God and then at the end of the section we read this morning the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord so our giving the foundation of our giving is not for programs, it's not to meet a budget, it's not for any particular person, it's not even for this particular church, those are all things that God uses, but our giving is to the Lord, because he is worthy. End of sentence. We give, we give of ourselves, we're called by a generous and giving God to give, because God has given us so much, and we will respond out of joy and gratitude to that, so our giving is to the Lord. It's not thank you. It's not because of personal preference. It's not because of we're trying to meet anybody's particular agenda. We want to give and give to the Lord. We want to make God's name great. He is the object of our devotion and our worship. And so one of the ways that the people of God can demonstrate their giving in this context in 1st Chronicles is that David says, "Look, you can demonstrate your commitment to the Lord by giving." By giving to this important project that God has called us to do as his people. There's another scripture that comes to mind along this idea, and that is Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. That is our heart. Our heart is not to build up our church, to build up our name, to build up our house. We want the Lord to do his work. We want him to build the house. And there are a lot of things that we can do on our own strength and a lot of things in our humanity that we can do to try to puff ourselves up. But that's our heart's desire. And whenever we're not doing that, we want to confess, we want to repent, turn away from that. We want to build God's house. He is building his house through us. So it is to the Lord, it's for the Lord, and it's actually by the Lord that we accomplish these tasks that he has given We want to do it not in a way that is self-serving. We don't want to give our time or give our money to try to impress other people. We do it because it's for the Lord. We want to make his name great. He is worthy. It's an act of our worship. We have grateful hearts. And we want to give because God is of infinite work. In fact, the cool thing about it is you'll often hear me say at the end of my prayers, I often pray that it will be for God's glory, but also for our good. And that's what's cool about this is that as we become the people that God created us to be, which is generous people who give of ourselves, we actually become more fully human the way God created us to be. We were created to be generous people who were made in the image of a generous God. And so, not in a self-serving way, but knowing that by giving of ourselves and becoming generous people, we're actually filled with more joy. We're made complete. We're made whole. We're made more truly human. So what I want to do here is I want to kind of tease out for us a couple of different qualities or attributes of our giving that we see in this particular capital campaign. And then I'm going to provide some parallel passages from the New Testament to demonstrate that these are not isolated concepts to this particular instance, but these are themes that we see in scripture, ways that our giving should be characterized. So the first way is that our giving should be sacrificial and generous. David says, besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give from my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Now what's happening here is that David's actually already alluded to the fact that he's already given to this capital campaign. And he's given from what we might call the national treasury, right? The funds of all the people. So here in verse 3, and you would miss this without really un peeling some of the layers off in verse three he says besides what i've already given i'm going to show my devotion personally by giving from my personal treasury what is he talking about here well this word actually referred to a common uh fund that kings in the ancient near east would have it's his personal emergency fund right if we're using dave ramsey language here right this is his private fund and kings would keep this to buffer themselves against changing circumstances, natural disaster, a changing political climate. It was sort of their personal fund. And so David says, in addition to what I've given, I'm now going to give sacrificially. I'm going to give from my private coffers because this is so important. Because I want to demonstrate to you the example of generosity. And so we're to give sacrificially. To be willing to put ourselves at risk to have to trust in daily bread from God. We we give away today not knowing what tomorrow will bring. So here's an example from the early church, Second Corinthians chapter 8. It says, In the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. So what's happening here is you have Christians, many of which don't have a whole lot to begin with. And they're sacrificially giving to help other Christians in another place that had even less than they did. They were in more extreme circumstances than they did. So it's not just wealthy people giving a little bit of extra, but even those who didn't have a whole lot, they were willing to give generously and sacrificially in order to trust the Lord. Radical generosity is not the way of the world. It's not the way of normal human behavior apart from grace. We have to grow in this discipline, in this practice. We have to cultivate generosity because there's so much fighting against that. There's so much fear and lack of trust and doubt and insecurity. And when we give, we have to trust the Lord. And when we give sacrificially, we have to trust even more. And sometimes God calls us to give in radical ways extra generously. And it's partly because it's for our spiritual benefit. So that we grow in trust. So we give sacrificially, which means generously. The second principle we see here is that we give willingly. We give with a willing heart. There's a repetition of a a word here in the original language. It means to offer voluntarily. And it's a key theme in this chapter. In the NIV, it's translated as willingly or freely. It's the same word. And this is a call to give basically an extra above and beyond in this instance. The people were called to tithe. There was a system of tithing. Part of that was kind of tied up in what we would think of as taxation today. Those were sort of the obligatory things. But here it's calling for a free will offering to give extra, to give above and beyond out of gratitude for what the Lord's done, to give to this special project, similar to what we're doing with the home for Christmas. It's an opportunity to do something beyond. And so the people gave willingly. Willingly. I think this is an important thing to point out as well, and that our goal is not to try to coerce or manipulate you into giving. We just simply say, this is the mission that God has given us collectively. Will you be a part of it? And we trust that God's Spirit will move and will challenge you, encourage you, that if you believe in God's mission, that you will participate with us. There's great temptation in our day and age to try to coerce people and come up with creative and crafty ways to try to get people to give more money. But we don't want to try to coerce you. We want you to give with a willing heart because of what God has done in your life. So 2 Corinthians 9 is a great cross-reference here. It says each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver so we give with willing hearts the third principle is that our approach to giving is wholehearted in david's speech in verse 5 he takes a term that would have been applied to the gift and he applies it to the people themselves verse 5 he says now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today, this word consecrate, it would have been applied to the sacrifices that they would have made to consecrate the sacrifices. But here, David says, who is willing to consecrate not your gift, but yourself as the giver? Now, if this is a familiar concept it's because Paul latches onto this idea. And in Romans 12, he says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That means all of who you are, not just your physical bodies, all of who you are. This is your true And proper worship. And so, what is at stake here for David and the people? He's calling upon them to give precious stones and metals and wood, right? We thank you for reading through the laborious list, right? The point there is there were a lot of things they had to gather. But in verse 5, David brings the point home. He says, Look, it's not about the jewels and the diamonds. I mean, that's going to be great. We're going to make this place amazing. A place that demonstrates the glory of God. But at the end of the day, what God wants is your hearts. He wants you to consecrate yourselves. Yes, to give out of what God has given you, but ultimately to give all of yourself. Will you consecrate yourselves before God? So we give sacrificially. We give willingly, we give wholeheartedly, and finally we give with joyful hearts. And I love that that's how this section ends. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders. They'd given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced greatly. The best quality of our obedience here is that we would give out of delight, not out of duty. We would give out of joy and not obligation. We would give in response to the goodness of God. And I believe that we are called to do the same. We're not under a law anymore. We don't give because it's a law. We give because we're willing, because our hearts have been changed. We give joyfully out of the goodness of God's mercy. We want to support those in need. We want to care for those who have need. We want to support the work of God in reaching new people around the world. Finally, I want to point out there's a a kind of flow of generosity in this passage. It starts with the top, and then it goes to the leaders, and then it flows out to the people. We're to live examples before God. And so I can tell you, your pastors, your elders, we're people that are seeking to be generous, to lead you in generosity, to have our hearts changed. In fact, to be an elder in this church, one of the requirements is that you give, that you support the church. The finance department tells us, yes, this person is a giver or not, so, so we know. And you might think, oh, that's very intrusive or whatever. Well, if you want to be a leader, you've got to be supporting it. And we're not sitting there tabulating, okay, how much do you think they make? And, you know, are they given a certain percentage? No, it's not about that. It's not a legalistic thing. But our elders are those who are involved. They're faithful, and they give. And I can tell you, our elders, but also many people in this church are incredibly generous. We have wonderful examples God has done amazing things through this church because it is a generous church. And so I simply want to challenge us to continue to just fan the flame of that generosity. Would we continue to be a generous church? Would we, wherever we currently are in our generosity, would we challenge ourselves to become more generous because in that way we more accurately reflect our God and we actually become more fully human? Could we grow in generosity? There's, there's a progression of themes that come together in this kind of final thought from this section of, of Chronicles. And that is that a right relationship with God inspires willing, sacrificial, wholehearted giving, which in turn results in joy. That's the flow. Right? When we're trusting God and we are, by His grace, people of faith, and we're following Him and we're becoming like His Son, Jesus... It will result in us becoming more generous people who willingly, who sacrificially and wholeheartedly give to God. And what, what comes as a result of that is joy. So do you want more joy in your life? Become a giver. Grow in generosity. And this is not the message that we hear every day. We, every day we're being inundated by commercials that are trying to sell you something with the promise of joy. But true joy is not found in being rich in things. It's found being rich in good deeds and serving other people. That's where true joy is found. So would we become those kinds of people, we'll be better for it. We'll be stronger. And we'll together point to our great God, who is the ultimate giver. We cannot outgive him. He is so generous and so loving. So would we reflect our family values by becoming a generous people. Will you join me as we pray about this? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us so much. You've given us your best. You've given us life and fellowship and the promises of your word. You've given us the hope of redemption, the hope of the resurrection. So God, first of all, I just pray for each and every person here. I pray that you would help them by your grace to become a more generous person in every way. And God, I pray that you would help us as a people to be generous. To be a conduit of your grace that we would receive and we would pour out in great measure. Father, we want to ask that you will provide everything that we need to do all that you have required of us. God, we trust you for the end of this year that you'll provide what we need and we trust you for next year that you'll give us wisdom and guidance. God, help us to be good stewards of all these collected things that you have placed in our care and that together we could leverage them for even greater fruitfulness in your kingdom. God, help us to give because you are worthy and for these things to be used by you. Lord, even now as we're about to worship you with our tithes and our offerings, we give it to you. We give it for you, and because of you. Lord, even those who've already given all online, we take this moment and say, God, our gifts are for you because we love you and we trust you. Lord, we worship you through all of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.